Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, Today, the message I feel like the Lord uh, gave me, I want to talk to you for a little while, and you have to build before you battle. And I'm going to read Judges uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. Maybe I said that right. I, I went on my phone and let the guy read it to me, and I still can't hardly say it. But uh, I think that's how you say it. Ab, or is it, it's Abiezrite or Abiezrite. So... Well, maybe I'll say it both ways. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terem of the tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord Lord God, for I have seen the angel. So I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abazarites. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, 
and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the, of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. So, Father, we just thank you for your word, God. We just ask your blessing upon this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Because it, it was a lot of reading or I sound like I need water? Oh. Thank you. So I'm going to try. I actually got uh, told that I, I read the declarations faster than anybody in the history of man when I opened the service the other day. And so even though I talk really slow, sometimes I get, going, I get to going too fast and speed through things. I'm going to try and take my time with this today because uh, I want to just talk to you about this thought. You have to build before you battle. And I just read the first part of the story of Gideon. And probably as soon as you realized I was going to talk about Gideon, you immediately thought that I would either talk about the fleece or that I would talk about the 300 men that went to battle with him. Well, I don't plan on talking about the battle or the victory of Gideon today at all. I don't plan to. Uh, because what happens is many times most of us will skip right over the first part of this story and we want to go straight to where we think the action is. We want to go straight to the battle. We want to go straight to, to the victory, to the conquering, to all, the, to all these things that are happening. And we miss out on some very important details uh, along the way. And so I want you to notice a few things about this story uh, as I'm going to go through it. And, uh, and, and, and hopefully I'm going to uh, give us some stuff to think about today uh, as usual. And so the first thing I want you to notice is that when God called Gideon, he's there, he's threshing wheat in the wine press, and uh, you know the story. You've heard me just read it, and you've heard it many times. And so God calls Gideon before Gideon has ever even done anything. He's accomplished nothing. Uh, God even calls Gideon before God tells him to do anything. God hasn't even given him any instructions. He just calls him. See, God's callings and giftings are not based on our performance. And God has never called anyone because they were worthy. Sometimes we sit around and we look at other people and we get aggravated because we just don't know, why would God call them for that? You're not worthy for what He called you for either. None of us are. He doesn't call you because you're worthy. He doesn't call you, call you because of your performance. Okay, It's Him that makes the, the difference. And unfortunately, what happens when people are called... It works the other way. A lot of people, just because they've been called by God, they immediately think that they're ready to go out and go to battle. They immediately think that, oh, God's called me. I'm going to go take out a giant. I'm going to go, I'm going to go take on the world. I'm going to go do all this, 
this, this different stuff, and you, you will. God will use you to do amazing things. But what I want to show you from this part of the story is that you need to build before you battle. Some people want to go straight to the battle. And I want to propose to you what we should be building, what I believe we should be building when it comes to the things of God. Now, what I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to cause fear, uh, produce fear about stepping out for God or stepping you know, up to the plate, uh, stepping in the gap for something. Uh, I'm trying to produce maturity in us by understanding the importance of actually growing in our relationship with Him. Not just always trying to do more, but actually growing. See, we, we, don't, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. If you've been saved for 10 seconds, then you've got more than enough. You're more than able to defeat the enemy in any situation that he comes against you in because you've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of you. And that's all, that's all you need. And we can be bold. The enemy's going to come against us. He's going to bring battles our way. I'm not talking about that. Because when he comes against us, when he brings the fight to us, then God's grace and God's mercy is going to protect us. It's going to, it's going to get us through. What I'm talking about is if we plan on going after the enemy, if we plan on bringing the battle to him, if we plan on partnering with God and doing something amazing and taking on a, a stronghold of the enemy, then you better have built some things with God before you do that or you're going to have some issues along the way. Uh, it's not going to go so well. And so in this passage, the Lord tells Gideon that he's sending him to rescue Israel. I'm sending you. You're the one. And Gideon says, how can this be? Because, uh, uh, because his clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and, and he's the least in his family. He's a nobody. And the Lord says, well, I'm going to be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if it's one man. And so then Gideon does, uh, does. I did it again, Jonathan. That's the second time in a year and a half I've said do's instead of does. Gideon does what becomes his calling card. He asks for a sign. Give me a sign. Or just give me a, give me a sign that this is you. And so, so the, the angel of the Lord does it. He brings out the sacrifice. He touches it and the rock, fire comes from the rock and consumes it. And so I know I did a lot of reading and you might have tuned me out. So I want to go back and read verse 25 through 28 one more time. So just three of them. It says, now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image, that is, which is the Asherah pole, that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So... Before Gideon would be ready to fulfill the call that God had just given him, he had to tear some things down. First, he had to tear down the false altars, and then he had to build an altar to the Lord. He was called, but he had to build before he could battle. And so we see this with everything. We see it in sports all the time. Now, uh, Dad and myself coaching teams, we have never just shown up and taken a team to go play a game or to play in a tournament. We never just show up and play. 
there's always a time of preparation before that. There's always a time where we're going to build that team up. We're gonna, first, we're going to tear down bad habits that the girls may have developed by doing things the wrong way. We're going to tear those down, and we're going to build them back up, teaching them the way we want things to be done. And we're going to build team chemistry before we would ever go into, into a tournament or an area to, to compete. A fighter or a boxer is the same way. They don't just show up on fight night and get in the ring uh, with all that money on the line. No, they spend time training and building the skills and the stamina that it takes to endure a fight and to win a battle. And so that's the, what we need to do. And so what Gideon built was an altar to God. Now, un unfortunately, in the church today, we have a lot of people that they want to go straight to the battle, but they want to bypass the altar. And that's not the way it works. That's not how it works. He, he built, he built uh, uh, the altar before he built the army, before he went to the battle. It, it, he didn't just go right out and start building the army as soon as God told him what he was going to do. He built the altar first. A lot of people, especially in ministry, they get called in the ministry, and what's the first thing you see them do? They start trying to build an army. They're trying to see who they can get to follow them, if they're going to start another church or they're going to start an evangelistic work, whatever, instead of building the altar. And it's an important thing that we have to remember. You cannot bypass the altar. It's important. And so the Bible says that he took ten of his servants and he did what the Lord had, had said for him to do, but he did it at night so that nobody would know because he was afraid of what they might do. Now, I know that Gideon was worried that they were, uh, did it at night because he was afraid the people would try to kill him. But this is another interesting thing to me in this passage that, that jumps out because there are a lot of people uh, in the church that they're okay with building. When I, when I say, oh, you got to build before your battle, they might amen all day long. They're okay with it as long as the building can be done with a crowd watching. They're okay with building as long as it's with everybody else, as long as it's with a, with a, with a big group because they want everyone to see what they're doing and they want everyone to see how hard they're working for the Lord. They need everybody to know. But see, most true building happens when no one else is around. The building that I'm talking about. Most building happens when the only crowd cheering you on is the one in heaven. There's no applause that you're getting down here on earth. And see, we need to get our focus off of other people's applause, and we need to focus on building with God and becoming what He's called us to become. And so as we keep reading, we see that Gideon was right. He was right for doing what he did at night. They would have killed him. The people are mad. The people of the town, they're mad, and they wanted him dead for what he did. But see, what's funny to me is the people didn't really say anything about the new altar that he built, if you read it. They didn't say anything that he had built a new altar in their town. They were upset about what he had torn down. They were upset because he had torn down the, the altar and the pole of the, false, of the false gods. And, you know, that's how people in the world are. When you get, I don't know about you, but when, when, when I got saved, when you get saved and your friends that you uh, have been getting into trouble with, they find out and you're like, you, maybe you already even have a family. And you're like, yeah, I mean, uh, the we've started going to church. Oh, man, that's great. That doesn't bother them. They don't care if you're building something new. We're going to church. They got, we got a good program for the kids. I think it's important. Oh, that, that's great. I've been reading my Bible and praying. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm thinking about starting a Bible study. Okay. 
and then they have something they're wanting you to go do. Oh, no, I don't do that anymore. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? They just turn on you like that. They don't care about you building something, but when you start trying to tear down those things, those things in your life that are inhibiting your relationship with God, that seems to bother people for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. And, and before we're too hard on the world, it's the same way in the church. People will show up every Sunday, especially uh, I talk a lot about the renewed mind. I talk a lot about belief systems. I'm talking about it again today. And people are okay with that. Oh, tell me something good, preacher, something that could improve my life. Well, something I could add. They always want to add something. I want to add this, want to add that. Oh, amen, that's great, that's great. But then when you tell them, hey, you need to tear down some of this garbage you've got going on, they get upset and they'll find another church. They, guess, <laughs> they don't want to hear it. We don't want to tear anything down. But many times before you can build with God, some things have to be torn down in your life. Some things have to be gotten rid of. And you might think, but, well, what does this have to do with us? We would never have altars to false gods in our lives. We don't worship false gods. Well, let's look at what was actually going on here. These people, why were they so upset? Why did they want to kill Gideon for tearing down these altars? Is because they had all of their trust and hope in these false gods. Trust and hope that they should have had in the Lord God Almighty. Now, when our trust and our hope is in anything other than the Lord, we have an altar in our lives. Now, you might not be worshiping a false god in the sense of giving sacrifices or bowing down, but where's your trust and your hope at today? So just look at how many people have all their trust and their hope in their jobs in their finances, in their investments, in their savings, in their money, in the government, uh, in other people. And many people, even in their own health and their own bodies, people spend a fortune on their health and bodies these days. They're trying their best to live forever because that's where all their hope's at. And see, so we might not worship false gods in the sense of what we read in the Scripture, but how many of us do have false altars in our lives because of where we put our hope? See, through the Word and through God's help, we need to start tearing those things down, those belief systems that would have us to put our hope in the wrong things. And through the Word, we need to begin to build and reinforce those belief systems that allow us and enable us to put all of our hope in Christ and the finished work of Calvary. So I believe that you need to build before your battle. And what we need to be building is hope. I said all their hope was in, that's what, they, when they saw those altars torn down, they lost hope. That's what they were upset about. People that don't have hope, I mean, what else is there? And so we need to be building hope in our lives, but it needs to be in God. And this all goes back to the renewed mind because how do we build hope? The way we build hope is through what we believe. Belief systems change everything. Stir up the right belief systems and hope will rise. And I'm talking about spiritual things, but this can apply to anything. When I was uh, 19 years old, I had, I had done exterminating work since the time I was 16, off and on helping because my uncle had an exterminating company and I'd been working summers and things like that. And uh, I knew enough to be dangerous, uh, but I wasn't very good, that great at it. And uh, I was in college and I wanted to drop out. I actually had already dropped out. I just hadn't told my parents. I would leave every morning because I commuted. And uh, I would, when my parents would go to work, then I would come back and uh, hang out at my grandma's. So my uncle had found out that I had dropped out before my parents. 
And he asked me what I was going to do, and I said, I, I got to get a job. Well, he said, well, I'm not going to hire you. But if you'll go talk to the manager at the Lumberton office, if he wants to hire you, you can have a job. But I'm not going to give you a job. You got to go get hired. So I go there and I meet with him, and uh, he'd known me for a while. And uh, he said, I'll hire you on one condition. He said, I don't want you to come take this job and think of, it, think of it as you're just working for your uncle and you're just getting a paycheck. He said, if you're going to come work for me, you're going to have to think of this job as a career. And then when you think of it as a career, I want you here every day learning everything you can learn. Because I was always a good worker. I was always on time, all that kind of stuff. But I just did what they told me to do to get through the day so I could get paid and be done with it. And so he said, I want you to come learn all that you can. And you need to take it seriously so that who knows, one day you might not want to work for your uncle. You might want to get your own pest control license and, and uh, work for one of the bigger companies. Or you may want to get your own license and start your own company. And I laughed at him. I said, okay, though. But I did what he said. And it was in no time I was probably uh, one of the better exterminators that worked with the company. I sometimes got sent to jobs that other people couldn't figure out or before I was on the radio all the time because we didn't have cell phones, asking them what was I supposed to do. And uh, I, that was when I was 19, and at the age of 22, I got my pest control license, and uh, Dad and myself started a company. And uh, so he was right. I didn't know he was right. I've never been someone who sets these big goals. Maybe I should, but I've just never been that guy. I didn't have a plan of anything like that. Only, the only thing that changed was he shifted a belief system in me that day. And because I believed different, I approached the day different. I still did a good job. I still did most things the same, but everything was different, even though it was the same. And so fast forward about 11 years, Heather and I have been married about maybe a year, I think, if that. Heather uh, has been working in the uh, mortgage industry while she's in college and before, while she was in high school and college. And... She's decided she needs to get a different job and uh, she needs better insurance uh, and she wants, she's thinking about being a school teacher. And so she, I think she went for an interview at Hoke High. She went for an interview and was going to do the lateral entry to be a school teacher. And then <laughs> apparently her mom did not know. And then she was talking about maybe going back to grad school, about something else and all. And so I had to sit her down and have the same talk this man had with me when I was 19. And I said, listen, this isn't, my, this isn't my wisdom here. This is what a guy told me when I was 19. And I'm going to tell you, I said, do you like what you do? Yeah, I actually like it. I like doing the numbers. Because she's always been an amazing worker. She's always been really good at the job. And uh, I said, well, it seems to me like every time I hear you talk about this industry, it's temporary. You're always talking about it. And she said, well, I always just assumed this is what I would do till I was out of college and was ready to do something different. I said, well, why do you want to do anything different? You're good at it. You like it. And there's room for advancement to where you could uh, make good money doing it. And she said, well, I just never really thought about it like that. I said, well, you don't have any options right now, so why don't you think about it? And why don't you from now on when you go into work, Stop thinking about it as temporary and start thinking about it. I gave her the exact same talk. Think of it as a career. 
And uh, it was in no time she went from processor to loan officer assistant to a mortgage loan officer. And now she's, I think she's probably one of the most respected ones in, uh, in the area. And, uh, and, and not only that, God was able to bless her, um, her business enough for me to be able to go full-time ministry. It never would have happened that soon, and maybe not at all if it wouldn't have been for God working that out. And the same thing, she was always good at her job. Everybody was always satisfied and happy with the job that she did from processing to assisting to all of it. The difference was is her belief system. And all it was was thinking about it in a different way. Same circumstances, same situation, but because she thought about it differently, instead of it being temporary and always trying to find a way out, she began to see hope at the end. And hope changes everything. Romans 15, 13. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you. Now, when does it say it's supposed to happen? Now. Now. Now may the God of hope fill you. Not when things are perfect. Not when you already have it figured out. But right, whatever mess you're in right now, whatever situation you don't know what to do, now is the time. Let Him fill you now. See, there's never a convenient time, but the time is now. I know it's not convenient. It's not convenient for anybody in here. Is anybody in here It's convenient for you right now to add something to your list that you're doing in life? Nobody. It's never going to be. But the time is still now. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Now may the God of hope fill you. Waiting for things to get better so that you can start believing for things to get better, that's not how it works. You have to believe it now. And so if we need to build before we battle... And what we need to build is hope. And the way that we build hope is by what we believe. That brings me to the important question of this message for you to think about. See, we may all be facing different circumstances, different situations, different levels. But the question is always going to be the same. So whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that may even be consuming every thought in your mind for most of the day, ask this question. What do I need to believe to have hope? That's where it all starts. What do I need to believe to have hope? See, we need to believe that our covenant with God is so big that it covers all situations and not just those of the spiritual. He cares about it, all of it. They've been singing about it today. We need to believe that our prayers are working even when we don't see it. We need to believe, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Even those things that we didn't do right. He's still working it out for our good. I don't know how, but He does it. And I believe it. We have to believe it. We have to start building hope and stop being ran by our feelings. Just like there's not a convenient time, there's going to be very few times where you feel like it. Your feelings will get you into all kinds of... Uh, of problems and, re, and, and really no matter what it is out there there has to come a time in our lives when we start thinking and speaking higher than what we're experiencing and feeling Amen. there has to be we can't be ran by our feelings if we wait to see it before we believe it then that makes us people of fact we're supposed to be people of faith not people of fact the people of faith believe it and then they see it 
So where is your hope level this morning? Where is your hope level? Whatever the situation is, it may be something huge, it may be something simple, but where is your hope level? Did you know that increasing hope levels is the evidence that, we're, that we are actually renewing our minds by believing truth instead of lies? And if that's what increasing hope levels is, that means that decreasing hope levels means it's evidence that we're renewing our minds with lies. What are you renewing your mind with today for whatever that situation is? Because we're all renewing our minds in one way or another. Just the question is, is it truth or is it lies? John 8, 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So here's another question. How much truth do you know? How much truth are you meditating on? How much truth are you renewing your mind with and building hope with God? Now, we all have things that we could point to, excuses or whatever you want to call it. And we could say, you know, that's what the problem is. This is the problem I have because we don't ever want to. We always think our problem's worse than somebody else's. And, and so this is the problem I have. But what if the problem isn't the problem? What if the problem is what we believe? What we believe changes everything. I want to read Romans 15, 13 again, because I don't, I'm just in a habit of reading everything twice today. But many times what happens, we want to get free in our circumstances. And we're telling God, God, if you'll get me free in this circumstance, then I'm going to worship you. I'll run the aisles. I'll shout. I'll dance. I'll sing. Whatever it is, we want to get free in our circumstances and then get free in our emotions. But it's actually just the opposite. Usually uh, the way it's going to take place is we get free in our emotions and then we get free in our circumstances. And so here's what I mean. And maybe you'll see it. I want to read it one more time. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, hope brings some things with it. It brings all joy and peace. And it says in believing, which means that the moment that we believe, we are filled by the God of hope with all joy and peace. See, what happens is our circumstances haven't changed yet, but our emotions have. Because now we have all joy and peace. We're filled with it. We don't just have it. We're filled with it. And so by believing, we're filled by the God of hope with all joy and peace. So now our emotions have changed so that we can then abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit while our circumstances are being changed or while we walk it out in faith. That where's our hope level? See, true hope is an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. I'm going to give you that one one more time because I wrote it down too. True hope is an overall optimistic attitude about the future based on the goodness and promises of God. What promises are you holding on to today? What promises are in the back of your mind or is it just problems in the back of your mind? See, it's, it's very difficult to influence anything that we don't have hope for. Doesn't matter what it is, how small or how big. If you don't have hope for it, you're not going to be able to, to influence it. Whether it's your family, whether it's your job, whether it's uh, a ministry. Do you, do you have hope for your family? If you've got kids that are acting crazy or grandkids driving you nuts or maybe a spouse or maybe it's you, maybe you're crazy. Whatever it is, do you have hope for that situation? Do you have hope for this church? 
Do you have hope that things are going to get better? Do you have hope for this community? Do you have hope for our nation? Do you have, if you don't have hope, how are you going to influence it? Why are you praying for this and praying for that, trying to influence atmospheres and shift things and make this change and that change? If you don't genuinely have hope for it, you probably should save your breath on that and start encouraging yourself to get a little more hopeful and then go to battle. There's a lot of people doing spiritual battle and they don't have any hope. That, that's just not smart. So it's difficult to influence those things we don't have hope for. So what do we need to believe to have hope today? We need to believe that He will complete the good work that He started in us. We need to believe it. Quit believing what the enemy's telling you. We need to believe that we can do all things through Christ. We need to believe that He will meet our needs according to His riches and glory. Whatever it is, find it in the Word and believe it. Whatever it is you need to believe to have hope, find it. It's in the book. Find it and believe it. Begin to build hope with Him today, and it will keep you in that battle. So I want to give you one to, for, for you to hold on to, to, for, to believe, to end this message today. And that is this. I don't care what you're going through, what your past is, what the situation is right now. Hope. Where's my definition of hope? I can't remember. it. Overall optimistic attitude about what? The future based on the goodness and promises of God. So whatever your past is, whatever you're going through right now, your future is as bright as the promises of God. It doesn't, you know, wherever you're at, your starting point may be different than my starting point today. You may really be going through some stuff or you may have it made better than anybody in here. Your future is still as bright as the promises of God. That's, for, that's a promise for everybody in here. It doesn't matter if it looks hopeless. It's not hopeless because he's in the middle of it and he's the God of hope and he wants to fill you with all joy and peace when you believe so that you can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it changes everything. So real quick, where you're at, I want you to either hold up your Bible or your phone or your tablet. If you don't, however you could access it. If not, just... Just hold up your hand if you don't have anything. I want, you to, I want you to say this with me. We're going to say, my future is as bright as the promises of God, okay? Everybody got that? All right, here we go. My future is as bright as the promises of God. And so now the question is, will you believe it? Will you believe it? I'm glad you said it, but will you believe it so that it begins to shift things in your life and build hope so that you're ready for the battles that are in front of you. See, I'm not telling you not to battle. God has a battle for each and every person in here. There are, there's land for you to conquer. There's territory for you to invade. There's giants for you to take down. You're going, you need to battle. We, we all need to. But we have to build that hope so that we can be ready to follow Him into that battle and experience victory every time. Father, we just thank You for Your presence in this place. God, we just thank you for the atmosphere of worship that we've experienced all morning, God. Lord, we thank you for all joy and peace. God, we thank you for helping us to abound in hope. Lord, I pray that every person in here, that we begin to change the way we think. We begin to tear down those false altars that we've built in our lives, God, and that we build an altar to you to build true hope, God, so that we're ready for every battle that you have before us, God, knowing that you want us to walk in victory. 
So God, I just pray for every heart and mind right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to minister to those in need. Lord, that you would just speak to hearts. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.